Hey, 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 how you doing? You good? It is so good to be at Hillsong Brisbane downtown. A huge warm welcome if you are visiting tonight. Can we put our hands together and welcome people that might be here for the very first time? Thanks for being in church. You can grab your seats. It, uh, it is so good to be here. Yes, I'm from the Gold Coast. Love the Gold Coast. Living the dream in paradise. But it's great to be here at our downtown campus. Love what's happening here. And, you know, uh, it's great to see these guys. Can we give a big shout out and uh, appreciation to all the guys that volunteer, our creative team, our kids workers, our hosts just do a phenomenal job week in, week out. And Ben Warlow, before you go anywhere, I love this guy. Uh, he's full of life, full of energy. He's a doctor. And here he is leading us in worship. He's an anaesthetist, which is actually quite a hard word to say. Puts people to sleep. Hopefully my message doesn't do that tonight. But uh, I just wanted to encourage you, Ben, with all that you do, mate. And, and I really believe, I suppose it's just an encouragement to you that you're going to be put in places that are going to be very difficult situations where people are hurting, where there's a sense of brokenness, where there's a sense of um, uh, a lot of questioning and un uh, uncertainty. But God has placed you there for a purpose. Just what you did tonight, just bringing life to this service, I believe that you're calling your purpose to bring life into difficult situations. There is resurrection life on the inside of you, and I believe God's going to use you in very difficult, dark situations to bring that resurrection life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just a great praise report from uh, the Gold Coast. We had a, a, an older gentleman in our service uh, at our Burley campus. He arrived at our Burley campus, and he put in a prayer request and I love how we prayed for the prayer request tonight and believe God for situations to turn around and uh, he had something burning in his heart that he just really wanted an answer and uh, so he wrote in a prayer request he'd been disconnected from his family for over 20 years over 20 years hadn't seen his his children and so he put in a prayer request Lord please help me connect back with my family a simple couple of words on a piece of paper but he did it with faith and he put that prayer request in, and uh, that was on a Sunday, two weeks ago. And then 2 p.m. that day, there was a knock at his door, and it was his eldest son, out of nowhere, wanting to say hi and reconnect. And since then, a whole bunch of uh, the other sons and daughters have been in contact with him, and it's just been an absolute miracle. And so we're just celebrating with him for what God has done. It really is something very special. Are you ready for the word? If you've got your Bibles, if you'd like to turn to 1 Kings, 2 Kings, sorry, chapter 4, uh, a well-known Old Testament story. And it's quite a tragic situation, like it's quite horrific as we get into the detail, but God turns the situation around. And so 2 Kings, chapter 4, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant my husband is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. So here's a widow. She just lost her husband, got two boys. There was an outstanding debt. And now the creditor's coming to actually take the boys. So she's lost her husband. Now she's going to lose her two boys. 
So she cries out to Elisha, the prophet. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? She replies, your servant has nothing at all, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then all, then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God. And he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. What an incredible story. What an incredible miracle. He's a desperate situation. He, she's in the middle of very difficult circumstances. And then we see God's hand of provision. God's hand of protection, intervene and turn this situation around. The title of my message tonight is Momentum in the Middle. I love how Pastor Brian talked about momentum in June, right in the middle of winter. We're right now in the middle of winter and Pastor Brian was talking about momentum. So I believe for momentum in your life, if we're experiencing momentum as a church, why can't you experience momentum in your life personally? Momentum in the middle. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence that's here tonight. Lord, in your presence, there is freedom. There is hope. There is life. And so, Lord God, we thank you for your word tonight. Lord God, I pray that you'd speak to every single person here, including the preacher. Lord God, I thank you that you transform us from the inside out. So, Lord, I pray we would leave here different tonight the way that we came in. And we pray you, Jesus, would be the centerpiece. You would be the focus. In your name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. I don't know if I can have my uh, notes up here, but that'd be amazing. Hey, we're in the middle of winter right now, but let's, let's be honest. Thanks, bro. Queensland has pretend winter. This is not a real winter. Like, it's, it's, it's a pretend winter. Winter. You don't know a real winter unless you know what a hot water bottle is. Does anyone know what a hot water bottle is? Has anyone ever used a hot water bottle? You don't know what winter is unless you own an electric blanket. We don't have them in Queensland. There's no electric blankets. But <laughs> to be honest, it's been pretty cold, hasn't it? Like it's been freezing uh, overnight. But uh, we're right now in, in the middle of winter. It's the, it's the middle of the year. And it's different to the start of the year. At the start of the year, it's exciting. Uh, there's Vision Sunday, and normally we set goals and aspirations for the year, and there's a, sort of like a, a fresh start at the beginning of a year. But now we're in July, middle of winter, middle of the year. It, it's, it's a different dynamic to a start of the year. And I'm believing that God wants us to experience momentum in the middle in the middle of this, this year. And sometimes in the middle of the year, there can be pressures, there can be a lot of sickness, sickness going around, kids getting sick, or maybe people getting sick at work. Maybe you've been sick, but maybe there's been people sick at work, and you've got to sort of 
cover the gaps and fill in for people. So there's all these pressures and tensions in the middle of the year. But I firmly believe God wants us to experience momentum in a season that maybe you don't normally experience momentum in the middle of the year. When I talk about momentum in the middle, I'm talking about feeling refreshed, wind in your sails, clarity of heart and mind and purpose, excited, expectant and faith-filled for the future, faith for miracles, faith for supernatural provision, walking with a godly confidence that God has saved me and called me for His purposes. Hello, Brisbane downtown. Is there anyone with faith here tonight? And you can believe that God wants you to experience momentum in the middle. It looks like living an expansive life in a season of what seems like contraction. Being fruitful in a season that can quite often be frustrating. Living unhindered in a restrictive season. Having more than enough in times of lack. Reversing that, that downward trend that sometimes the middle of the year can feel like. You can't always control what happens to you. You can't always control the seasons. But you can take responsibility for your own spirit. And right now we're in the middle, of the, uh, the middle of winter and I'd encourage us all, and I'm speaking to myself tonight, to take responsibility for my own spirit to make sure that I overcome any obstacles that come my way. And here we find this situation, this poor widow in the middle of very difficult, desperate time. Her husband has passed away and all of a sudden the creditors are coming for her boys. And so Im imagine the grief and Im imagine the loss. And so she runs to Elisha, the prophet, and says, I, I need your help. The creditor is coming for, for my boy. She's going to take them away as slaves. And he says to her, what do you have? And she pauses for a moment. She's like, I've, I've got, got nothing at all. And then she stops and thinks, hang on a minute, I've got a little bit of oil. And the prophet's like, perfect. God can use that. And he says, what I want you to do is I want you to go and knock on all the neighbors' doors. And I want you to, don't just ask for a few. I want you to ask big. And I want you to ask for a lot. And grab those jars, go home, close the door behind you, and start pouring the oil that you have. And she kept pouring that oil. And a miracle took place. And there was enough oil to sell to pay out the creditor, but also enough. Isn't God good? Not only pay out the creditor, but enough for her to live on with her boys. Aren't you thankful that God is a God of protection and, and provision? An absolute miracle. And I believe there's some principles from this text that we can apply to our lives to ensure that we experience momentum in the middle. So I've got like, I think it's five, maybe six questions for you to make sure in this winter that we're going to move forward with a sense of expectation and faith for the rest of this year. First one, where do you go when there are problems? Where do you go? And I want you to, to practically think through this. Where do you go? Who do, who do you speak to when times are tough? Who do you go to? Who's your, who's your go-to person? Think about this widow. The grief of losing her husband. The, the, the pressure of knowing a creditor is on his way. Thinking, I'm about to lose my two boys. Think about this, the situation that this widow is going through. This is, this is desperate. This is, this is bad news. And she runs to Elisha, 
And this story is wedged in between two other stories, which is really cool. The, the story before this one that I've read out, uh, Elisha is consulting kings and rulers. And the story after this one, Elisha is dealing with uh, a very notable, wealthy person, so a famous person. So isn't it incredible that one minute Elisha is dealing with kings and rulers, and on the other side of this story, he's dealing with famous people, and right here in the middle is this widow, and she comes to Elisha and says, I need help. I need help, and God does a miracle in that situation. She went straight to the big dog, straight to the big kahuna. This, this guy is dealing with kings, famous people, and she runs straight to the top guy for help. Who, who do you go to when there's problems? Practically, who, who do you speak to? Who's that person that you, that you call when you find yourself in a tough situation? Or do you internalize it? Do, do you stew on it? Do you, do you whinge and complain about the problems? Do you become the, the, the victim? Do you have that, that smell of smoke on you? When you're going through the fire, everyone can smell that, that smoke on you, that you're going through the fire. Where do you go? Who do you speak to? Who do you go to? We need someone who looks out for us. We need someone who points us to God. We need someone who tells us the truth, who will look us in the eye, love us, and tell us what we need to hear. We need someone who reminds us of what we already know, someone who is committed to the long journey. And I love how she went to the man of God, and the man of God had insight and revelation as to the way forward. And I'm believing for us here, because there are men of God and women of God sitting right here in this place right now, that when someone comes to you with a problem, you can be that Elisha. You are a dealer in hope as a Christian. And when someone comes to you with a problem, you can bring insight and revelation and help point them to solution in Jesus' name. I recently um, competed in a 10-kilometer race with Tim Andrew, the campus pastor here. Tim and Michelle are on holidays, relaxing, being legends. And uh, anyway, oh, here's a, oh, yeah, there's Tim there. So I've been struggling every winter with my health. I feel like every time I get to winter, I feel like I'm overweight. I feel like I just eat too much comfort food when it gets cold. And so I spoke to someone and said, I'm really struggling with my health. And my friend said, hey, why don't you register for an event and that way you've put money down, you're committed to the event and you have to train for it. And so he recommended the 10-kilometer run on the Gold Coast as part of the Gold Coast Marathon weekend. And so a month out, I, I registered and I started training for it. And Timmy, who's an absolute legend, you love Tim Andrew, who loves Tim and Michelle Andrew, campus pastors here, doing a phenomenal job. Tim said, I'll, I'll do it with you, I'll, I'll run with you. And uh, he didn't run with me actually, in fact, he just took off. He, um, he ran it in 40, uh, 48 minutes, which is moving for 10 kilometers. He did really well. But uh, I haven't run for years, as you can see. And uh, I, got to, um, I got to about the eight kilometer mark, the eight kilometer mark, and I was literally about to stop. I was like, I, ca I just can't go on. I can't keep running. I'm, I'm done. I was fatigued. I had a bit of a stitch. Uh, I was starting to whinge and complain to myself. That's it. I can't do it. I'm literally about to stop at the eight-kilometer mark. 
And if we can put that photo up again, Brad Corring, who's our creative pastor for all of Queensland, Northern Territory, a very serious role, jumps out of the bushes at the eight-kilometre mark and goes, Jimmy, you're nearly there. Keep going. I had no idea he was, he was going to do this. And he's going, you're nearly there. Jimmy, that's my best friend, everybody. That's my best friend. He's jumping up and down. I was literally so embarrassed. I started to run away from him. I'd, I'd gone from about to stop to actually picking up speed to get away from him. He helped me finish the race. I was about to stop and I finished the race because someone was dressed in an Olaf onesie. My question to you is, who's your Olaf? Hello? Who's your Olaf? Who's that person that's standing at the eight-kilometer mark when you want to quit, when you, when you want to chuck the towel in, who's going to encourage you and speak life? And that's why I love that we gather here on a Friday night to encourage one another, spur one another on. But you know what? Even though she went to Elisha, the big dog, the big kahuna, the big cheese, Friends, we've got Jesus. We can boldly approach Jesus with the problems that we go through. Listen to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 to 16, reading from the message translation. And I believe this passage is a word for someone particularly here tonight. Now that we know that we have Jesus, this great high priest, with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a high priest, get this, who is out of touch with our reality. Jesus is not out of touch with your reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. Is there anyone thankful that we can go straight to Jesus? He, he's not out of touch with our reality. Hello, downtown. Is there anyone thankful that we can go straight to Jesus when we're facing challenges? He's not going to push us away. Accept the mercy, accept the help in Jesus' name. Number two, what have you overlooked? What have you overlooked? She goes to the prophet and says, the creditor's coming. He's going to take my boys. And he says, okay, I want to help. What, what do you have in the house? And she's like, nothing. The text says, she says, nothing at all. And it's almost like there's a pregnant pause. And it's like, oh, hang on a minute. No, I've got a, a little bit of oil. And he's like, that, that, God can use that. That's, that's perfect. Go back and get those jars and start pouring what you have. I've got a little bit of oil here. Extra virgin olive oil from Woolworths. Would have looked a little bit different to this. I'm a Coles man personally. But uh, this is half empty. So imagine half full. This is all she's got. And it would be so easy to overlook this. It's like, oh, I've just got a, a little bit of oil. Just a little bit. And God's like, that's perfect. We can use that. There, there's a miracle in the house. There is a miracle sitting in the house. It's so easy to overlook things. What are you overlooking? What are you dismissive of? Because she was quite dismissive. I've got nothing. Oh, except a little bit of oil. What's that for you in your life? 
What, what have you become dismissive of in this, the, the middle of the year? Are you dismissive of your job? Your friends? Your involvement in church life? Your income? Your car? It is easy to be ruled by what we don't have, what can't be done, what we can't afford, what we don't have time for. There is always a reason why not. But the Bible tells us, do not despise the day of small beginnings. And I believe that whatever it is God has entrusted to your hand, your family, your career, your ministry, don't count it as insignificant and don't approach it with a lack of vision. Here's a thought. Your situation is better than you think. My situation is better than I think. But sometimes we can be so dismissive of what we do have that we neglect that God can do something very special with what is in our hand. We can be, become so dismissive of the small and enamored with the large. But big results can come from small steps of obedience. And even if you're here tonight and you're like, I have nothing. I literally have nothing but the clothes on my back. Friend, God specializes in turning nothing into something. God spoke into the soup of nothingness and created the heavens and the earth. We can overlook our volunteer roles and think, I'm just volunteering. I don't do much in the church. But when you volunteer and the person beside you volunteers and the, the other person beside you volunteers, when we all play our part, we can do something very special. But we can become dismissive of it. Even our giving, we think, well, I'm not giving much at all. This isn't really going to make a difference. But when I play my part and the person next to me plays their part and we connect something that is very natural to kingdom purpose, God can do something very special. Let's not be dismissive of those things that sometimes we can just completely disregard. I'll never forget the story that Andrew Denton shared. If you were in church on a, on a Sunday morning, probably about four or five weeks ago. Andrew Denton is not a preacher. He's not, not on staff. But he shared uh, via the link from our Hills campus. He preached on a Sunday morning and he shared the most incredible story where he, he said that uh, one time Pastor Brian invited someone prophetic to come and, and, and preach in church. And the prophet said, I, I believe that there's going to be someone in the house that is going to write a million dollar check to be able to see the church move forward with its facilities. And thank God for this beautiful facility we're in tonight. This is like God sent. This is incredible. But he said, I believe someone's going to write a million dollar check. And everyone cheered. Everybody clapped. And Andrew shared the story. He was standing next to his wife, uh, Susanna. And they were standing there clapping and thinking, oh, fantastic. Uh, maybe God's going to send someone famous or... God's going to send a, a business person, a wealthy business person that's going to write the check. And they're clapping going, I wonder who it's going to be. And then S Sue, his wife, challenged him. How come that can't be us? They were plumbers. He was a plumber at the time and went into property development and realized, hang on. I believe the miracle is in the house. I believe that God can use me. I, I could be that person that could write that first million dollar check. And he goes on to tell many years later, it was him and his brother that were the first people to write a million-dollar check to see the church facilities move forward. But he was dismissive of himself. I wonder who's coming. I wonder who's going to join the church and do that. And he became very dismissive of himself. 
that he was the miracle, that God was going to do something through him. What's in your house? What have you overlooked? What have you minimalized? The miracle was in the house the whole time. Amen? Number three, momentum in the middle. What are you asking for? The prophet says to the the widow, what I want you to do is I want you to go and knock on all the doors, ask all the neighbors for their jars. And I don't want you to just ask for a few. I want you to ask big. I want you to ask for a lot. And so can you imagine the mum, the two boys running up and down the street, knocking on doors, going to the neighbors, hey, can we borrow some jars? And the neighbor's saying, you know, no, I don't have any jars. Sorry, we, we don't have any. No, I need you to go back and check again. I want you to check in that third drawer, which is sort of like miscellaneous stuff that we put stuff in that we don't really care about. Check that drawer. Is there anything in the third drawer? I want you to check that one under the sink. You know at the sink where you pull the cupboard out and right back around the the corner there? I want you to check in there. Are there any jars in there? I want you to ask big. But here's, here's a thought that the oil stopped flowing when the jars ran out. So there's a direct correlation between the asking and the receiving. The more they asked, the more jars they got, the more oil kept coming, kept flowing. So there's a direct correlation between the asking and the miracle that was received. And I was challenged by this. I'm not asking enough. I'm not asking big enough. I serve a big God. I need to ask God for big miracles in Jesus' name. What are you asking God for? It says in Matthew 7, 7, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For those who ask, it will be given to them. Those who seek will find. Those who knock, the door will be opened. Friends, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. Some of us need to get our squeak on a little bit. Not squeaky enough. There's a direct correlation between the asking and the receiving. It took me seven years to ask a leader out, my wife. Seven years. It took me seven years to pluck up the courage to ask her. Seven years. I remember the day I asked, after seven years of being like that guy sort of creeping in the corner, a little bit awkward, stalker-like, After seven years, I had dinner at her house. We sat down in her lounge room and I said, hey, I'm sorry that I didn't ask all these years. I've been keen on you for seven, seven years. Seven. But I'm asking now, I think we should go out. And she laughed at me. I got into my Datsun 120Y and drove off. And she told me three days later, yes, let's give it a go. You have not because you ask not. I'm now the beneficiary of 15 years, happily married, and three amazing boys. What are you asking for? What are you believing for? It's the middle of winter, middle of the year. Sometimes at the start of the year, we ask and we aspire and we set goals. But what are you asking for in the middle of the year? What are you believing for? What are you asking for? Why can't the second half of this year be the best half. Why not go into the second half of this year upbeat? Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than what we could ever ask, think, or imagine according to his power 
that's at work within us. Come on, Hillsong Downtown, do you believe that? Some of you need to get a little bit more squeaky. Squeaky wheel, that's a word for someone. You need to be more squeaky in Jesus' name. Number four, have you shut the door? Have you shut the door? Talking about momentum in the middle. The prophet says, what I want you to do is go and knock on all the doors, get the jars, go into your home with your boys, and I want you to shut the door and start pouring. And I believe that's a word for some people here tonight on shutting the door. Because there's some things that can only be done in private. The quiet place. That place where we get revelation. Where we deal with heart issues. Where we get insight from heaven. It's in private that we read the word. It's in private that we still our hearts and get the God drop, the God revelation. It's in private that we open our hearts for God to perform surgery on any bitterness, anger, or resentment. We shut the door on negativity, shut the door on distraction, shut the door on comparison. And sometimes when it comes to social media, I feel like I do social media seasons well and then there's other times where I need to to mute that in my world I need to to shut the door so I'm not in this trap of of comparison I need to shut the door on insecurity sometimes we can lose momentum in the middle because the door's open letting people get access to your life that should be very limited letting people speak into your life that aren't building you up social media which I've spoken about Maybe even busyness, where you don't have margin for for you time. That's leaving the door open. Where you're burning the candle at both ends without refueling your life with word and prayer. That's leaving the door open. And I believe in this winter season, we're in the middle of the year. There's some things where you need to shut the door and allow God to speak to you. God wants to do things in your life that can only be done in private, where you still your heart and and get that revelation that can only come from heaven. And specifically for married couples, I'd encourage you to actually take the time. It's the middle of the year. Maybe you set goals and aspirations at the start of the year, but maybe you need to sort of do a half-time report and actually sort of set new goals for the, the second half of this year. And I believe as you take time, actually carve out time and set time aside as a couple, to actually journal and write down some things, I believe it could literally change the trajectory of 2019. Amen? And lastly is the, the band join me on stage. Are you still pouring? Are you still pouring? The prophet said, what I want you to do is I want you to go close the door and I want you to grab that little bit of oil that you got. Grab that little bit of oil and start pouring. And she kept pouring, kept pouring, kept pouring. And we start to see momentum building in her life. It was a, she was in the middle of a tragic set of circumstances. And she kept pouring and kept pouring. And momentum is building. Hope is starting to rise as she keeps pouring. Can I encourage you tonight? Keep pouring. Keep pouring into your kids. Keep pouring into your family. Keep pouring into your relationships. Keep pouring into your business. Keep pouring into your career. Keep pouring into your connect group. Keep pouring into your volunteer role.
But sometimes in the middle of the year, we, we stop pouring. It, we, we get tired. Maybe we, we just get disillusioned in the, in the middle of the year. Maybe rather than a pour, it's just a, a little bit of a trickle. Or maybe we just stop pouring altogether. But I love how she poured out of what she did have. Not what she hoped she would have, but she poured out of what she did have, that little bit of oil. I finished with this story. There's a, a young guy at our, at our Gold Coast campus, and uh, he's studying medicine, and his wife has started a business. They're a phenomenal young couple. And he approached me and said, listen, I really want to start um, catching up with some business people and like-minded people because I want to start developing principles of generosity in my life. He said, I know that with my profession, I will be well paid. And I know my wife's business is going to do really well down the track. She's, she's going to be amazing. But right now, we've got nothing. I'm a student, and she's just starting out in her business. But I want to start being generous with what I do have, knowing that down the track, if I'm generous now, down the track when I do have a lot, I'll still be generous. I just love that thought that he wants to pour out of what he does have. He doesn't want to pour out of what he might have. And so I want to encourage you, keep pouring. Keep pouring. Maybe you're thinking, I, I need to wait for certain things to happen in my life before I just start pouring into things. Can I encourage you? Keep pouring. Keep pouring into your family. Keep pouring into your kids. Pour into your relationships. Pour into your work. Not based on what you don't have, but based on what you do have. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Pour from that well of life that lives within you. Pour from that overcoming spirit that dwells within you. And let's believe for a miracle in motion that momentum is starting to build in your life as you pour out of what you, you do have. Let's always remember that winter, winter always, always gives way to spring. It might be a deep, dark winter, but it always moves aside when spring comes through. And I want to encourage some people here that right now in the middle of a deep, dark winter, spring is on its way in Jesus' name. Can we give the Lord Jesus Christ a hand of praise? You receive the word tonight? Can we stand from the front right up to the back? The team are going to lead us in this song of worship. And I'm going to pray for a couple of people and I'm going to invite some people up to also come and pray. Don't go anywhere because I believe God wants to encourage and speak to people here tonight very specifically. So if you, if you would, could you raise your hands heavenward? Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that you're encouraging us. You're building us up. Lord God, I thank you that you're, you're building momentum in people's lives. Lord God, I thank you that even in a winter, you see where we're at. For those that are, that are struggling right now, for those that are going through difficult situations, Lord God, I pray that you'd speak to them so clearly. Holy Spirit, would you minister to people right now in this place? Holy Spirit, we open up our hearts. We're ready to receive all that you want to do in our lives. In Jesus' name. Come on, church, let's sing this song.